0: Welcome to 1st and 15, the show that takes you around the UK flag football scene. Sponsored by Nuola, your customised sportswear supplier. Okay, we're officially live for podcast um, number three of the women's edition. Um, Today we are here with myself, Lou, with Heather and with Ruth again, sadly missing Helen this week. Hopefully she will be joining us again next time. Um, How are you doing guys, all good?
1: Yeah, good. I can't believe it's been another month. How like the months just flown by? (laughs) Seems
2: crazy. I feel like we've had (laughs) like a month worth of weather in the last two days as well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think we've had the same weather as you guys, where it's been like sunny and snowing all in the same day. Ideal. Um, Some slightly looser restrictions for you guys back in the UK. Some of you, England, yes. Scotland, perhaps. Wales, not so much.
1: No difference. So for, yeah, for Scotland, we just since in the last month, so we, we, actually, we were ahead of the rest of the UK in the fact that we have um, hairdressers and I think our schools are kind of a week ahead. But then I know kind of coming up, we're kind of behind on lots of things by sort of a week. So we're kind of, yeah, neither here nor there. We at the moment, um, we can kind of go back to training. It's very much distanced um we're not back at the moment um uh, female wise um and um i can't i can't travel to my training because it's out with my local area um mm. so that's the other side of things is now trying to juggle um travel restrictions with also just general country restrictions um but i think all of that um is hopefully up in scotland going to reduce uh, like all that travel restrictions are going to go on the 26th of the month so we're nearly there we're like two more weeks and then i can actually go back to training Um, You can taste the
0: grass already.
1: Yeah.
0: Fabulous. Ruth, how about you?
2: Yeah, we've been allowed to have people in the garden and we're allowed to go out for walks with, like, six people. So we've been doing a lot of that and catching up with family, which has been great. It was my little one's birthday just recently, so it was really great for him to actually see people. Like, his second lockdown birthday.
0: (laughs) I feel his pain. I had two already as well. Yeah, (laughs) Well, you guys are a bit further forward than us. So I'm glad to hear some people are um, finally getting some normality back. I'm very jealous. We've what got
1: we... our, gyms, our gyms are opening up at the end of this month as well. So um, that's definitely for me, like, a, I don't know, that's the, I think 26th of April seems to be the big one for us to be able to do like proper, like proper training. Um, is going to be 17th of May. So that's still over a month away, but as long as it's moving in the right direction and we can start doing a little bit more at every kind of, um every sort of restriction easing point then that's fine with me as long as we get there that's the most exciting thing for me <laughs> yeah
2: yeah I think we've had people kind of getting out getting together in parks and things but no like official training just stick into the rules and but if people do things off their own back then you know that's kind
0: of yeah all good
2: hopefully we'll get there soon well,
0: I hope that means that very soon we will have proper football back again so on that note um with the 2021 season apparently around the corner coming up looking good we are going to jump in first by having a look at some of the new iff rule changes that have been uh, i believe jed has uh, very kindly put together the video that we've all had a quick look at um so, yeah, I've listed a few of the ones that I found perhaps a little bit more interesting. Some of them are still a little bit small and perhaps a little bit irrelevant. But maybe we can have a quick chat through some of them. Um, so the first one that I think actually causes quite a lot of contra- contra- controversy, controversy, how do you say it? don't know. That um, yeah, has been controversial. <laughs> um which I find funny because it's been specifically with men's teams is the trouble I've had this with. Um, namely the some of the uh Danish uh Amarod armad amad- amad- Um where we've <laughs> had a lot of arguments about the colour of the flags and the colour of the pants or the shorts, whatever word you use, um, as to, yeah, what colour they can be. Can they be the same? Can they be different? Do they have to be all one colour? Um they have now stated that flags may be patented, which I'm sure Maxime from uh, what is it, my flag football, will be very excited about. A lot of these flags will now be legal to use. Um, they can now be patented, but they they aren't allowed to be the same colour as the shorts. Thoughts on patterned
1: flags? I, I'm excited about having. Like, I'm 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 a big merch fan of anything so <laughs> any any I like as, as much merch as possible I think it, it, it's quite interesting if I think of um pirates are uh, um short color is black um and but the, you know you kind of get to that whole thing now of you know we have red flags that's generally what it is we have our own personalized ones there are bits of black in the logo that's going to be on the flags then it's got um and then if you even think as well of the kind of I don't know what the brand is now. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but if you think of the, the flags that we all know and love with the horrible plastic belts that you kind of get those kind of ones, but the flags oh, on those. Like, have flag like a tag. Ones. On them. So, you know, they've got black text all the way down them with that brand that, you know, I'm so memorable. I can't remember, but that's obviously the ones that we use um, all the time. So that's obviously going to be, you know, you're like, well, hold on. Can we now use what was this, this sort of standard um, like flag? Um, just, you know, you, you know, no, no one's ever sort of second guessed sort of that at that precise moment, but I'm all up for the more branding and more merch and going wilder with it though. I'm definitely up for that. I, uh, I
0: agree. I think the, I think the merch belongs to the sport. Let's be honest. Everyone in the game wants to have their branded stuff. Uh Ruth, an opinion, irrelevant.
2: <laughs> I don't really have an opinion. I mean, yeah it's got to be a different color to the color of the shorts um and it's great to be able to have some kind of personalization you know stand out a bit different uh, does Ruth Frozen.
1: Frozen.
2: <laughs> my internet sure sucks there
0: you go <laughs> she's coming back we'll give her a second okay.
2: I'm gonna in a minute. I might have to move again. I'll go downstairs.
0: <laughs>
1: well whilst, whilst you're moving. Do I have I to move again? About, I oh, I was gonna talk about one of the other teams I play for, which is Rexy's Midnight Runners, who have um, a pair of shorts that have I think probably five or six different colours on it. Um now that's fine, like you could just have a plain, there's not white, for example, on there. Um like the outline of some stuff's kind of got black and there's um, blue and pink, and so loads of different colours on there. Um, but I th- uh, so obviously, I can pick a white flag, and that's absolutely fine. But I think our issue is going to be probably on what's your next rule that you were going to bring up, which is this idea that not just now, but going forward, is this idea that the shorts can only have one colour and some branding. Because that's like yeah. opposite of the shorts we currently have for that team. So that we're going to have to have a rethink, I think, on our uh, like our kit for that.
0: Yeah, I think that, um, so that was an interesting one. I thought that, so um, yeah, that's the second one that's coming is that then the shorts or the pants must be then all one colour, which, I mean, I think more people have one colour shorts than they have one coloured flag. Roof's back, yay. Um, But yeah, it will cause a bit of a problem for those who um, do have quite wacky kits, especially, you know, Nuola do often lots of really fantastic kits. So I wonder how, I mean, they can still go wild on the jerseys, I guess. Might um might have an effect on some of those. Ruth, I mean, do, do you want find, to see if you can continue. Do you
2: find that there's an issue with you know mixed colours? Do you ever
1: find an issue? I can't. I say mean, that the, I've complained about a flag colour before. Um, I think okay, I'm trying this. Is obviously I think probably the, were, the the only times I can see it being a major issue is there are a few teams that have a stripe down the side of their actual shorts so it's like it literally looks you know it's the same orientation as what a flag would be so i think that's probably the one that would be for me an issue but um if you've got like crazy shorts like we do in the Rexes or things like that which have no, like the whole pattern of them is totally the you know looks nothing like a flag to a certain extent and i think there's i don't personally see a problem with that I
2: mean, I guess if yeah. there's, it is, you know, it's difficult to write rules for these things because there's always going to be edge cases. But if you can have a distinct contrast between your shorts and your flag, I think that's the main thing. You know, if you have patterned shorts, don't have a pattern flag. If you have a patterned uh, flag, try and go for, you know, plain plain shorts and just be sensible about it. You know, it's going to be difficult to <laughs> to write any rule for it because, as you say, there's, there's just going to be differences everywhere.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think what you say, Heather, about the the band down the side or the line, whatever, is sometimes mm. difficult. The only other time I've seen it been an issue is I think with the one of the Austrian teams where they had a uh, Danish team, sorry, where they had white shorts and like really I think quite light grey silver flags, and I know I think I'm pretty sure they were told that that wasn't legal because it wasn't contrasting enough, but. I don't know. I, um, I actually feel more strongly about the next point, which is that there's a minimum standard of flag. So the design or the strength to pull the flag. Um, I know there was a lot of discussion around this new concept of the shrooms, which are obviously way harder to pull. I actually don't have a problem with them because I, I think if you're there for the tackle, you're there for the tackle. And I, I hate that people can run and their flags just fall out. It's like a bit of a ruiner for the game. So I think the shrooms I personally don't have a problem with. But in terms of like seeing some flags that are shorter, some flags with Velcro, some flags that are super soft and wavy in fabric or whatever, you know, in a sport that's at the level that we're at now, I don't see why we shouldn't have a minimum standard for the actual flag or the belt or the popper themselves. So that for me would be more of a of an issue. What do you think on that roof? Is that um, perhaps something a little bit more worth having a rule about?
2: Again, it's gonna be difficult to buy anything as a standard, um, especially as sort of things change and develop. You know, I've not been playing for that long, but then I think shrooms are fairly new. Um, So it's it's always gonna change, it's always gonna develop, which is one of the reasons why we need to amend these rules. Um, But how are you gonna assess something like that, I guess, would be my counter question, is how would you, determine it's kind of fairly qualitative
0: yeah i mean i think at least a minimum standard of size is good potentially mm-hmm. even a minimum standard of material i don't know if you can i mean like for example i would say no velcro i think for me personally velcro just seems a bit stupid um the other thing Isn't that we did Quite possibly. And I know a lot mm. of people originally had Velcro because they used them from tag rugby, which is also, again, an entry into sport thing, which I can understand. Mm. Um But the other thing I have an issue with is we have now the fabric belts, whereas previously we had like Heather was saying with the th- they could flag a tag or something like that yes, with the plastic belt. <laughs> yeah. But getting your fingers caught in those was always way more painful than in a fabric belt. So some some things like that I feel like you perhaps could control. Heather, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think um I think there's definitely should be a like minimum the sort of size, the actual sort of size of the flag. Um I think I remember once seeing on like it was when NFL were going big on sort of flag football and um, with the like professionals kind of playing it and it's that whole kind of split second that you have on when some when someone's like running at speed to grab a flag. So if you start like adding in things like thinner flags and different things like that, then you're just making that like like probability of, of tackling smaller and smaller and smaller. So I think that obviously there should be a standard where it becomes fair. Um, but I think from the Shrooms kind of angle on it, I remember at first with Shrooms being like livid as a defender. I was like, this is not fair. You know, this is gonna kind of like, and you know what? It kind of, once you've got a few people that's on your team and you're practicing with them week in, week out, it becomes like the absolute norm. And if anything, it's going to only make you tackle better and be you know because you have to be better to a certain extent but yeah there's once you kind of have that as the new sort of standard then you know that sort of fairness as well I think with the yeah the the flag actual the belts I remember once uh, when I was reffing it was the first time I'd ever reffed a um, flag game and it was for cadets um so younger kids i think they're all roughly just about sort of 10 to 12 i think actually the age group and could they get their flags back in oh my goodness every single play trying to like i on the ref crew trying to help them get their flags back in trying to get the flag belts on for them when it's those really plastically ones absolute nightmare as well so i think it's good to have options Um, and certainly I think for the sort of the younger age group, those like fabric belts are great with the kind of ones where they've got the buckles in them as well, rather than having to try and get them to teach them how to thread the belt through things like that. I say this, for kids, people come to our rookies, as grown adults and struggle with them. So I think it's good to have options anyway, but, um, yeah, I think for flags in themselves, I think I've got no problems with shrooms, but I would like to see a minimum kind of standard for sizing, at least for the actual flags themselves. So do different levels need different standards I think the I think having coached and obviously done that refering for the younger age group I think probably at um, sort of I think you, you need to have this sort of it easily accessible um, mm. and you know if you're if you're taking up so much of a practice time trying to get them to like flags in and putting belts on you're just eating away to kind of just getting in to the fun stuff and getting kids involved mm-hmm. in the sport so i think probably for that you know i think there probably should be like an option that maybe is a little bit easier for them to use at a younger age group and um, but then I, I, again that's not then cre- creating accessibility if you've played cadet or you're playing it at a younger age group and then all of a sudden you turn up to adult flag and you have to have a new set of belts and a new set of standards obviously that's going to have a cost implication as well we um, actually have two comments, which I think are worth reading out.
0: And um, the so Callum, Callum Bell has said that in 2019, two uh, two nations questioned the use of shrooms by teams at the Euros and IFF passed them as legal, which is um like we said, I have, I've got no problem with shrooms. So I think that's a fair enough point. And Martin Cockrell has actually messaged to say that flag size has always been in the rule book, which I can obviously imagine that that has been a standard rule for a while. I just, I'm not convinced how much it's enforced, but um, like Ruth said, these changes need to be made every now and then, and they've probably just done some minimal updates when they say that a minimum standard for flags has been created. There's obviously already been some kind of standard there, but interesting point nonetheless, especially when you consider, like you guys have said, across different age groups and different countries or whatever, perhaps um, those standards are taken more seriously or done in different ways. So I think that's at least a good discussion to have. Um moving away from sort of the potentially more aesthetic side, um, they've gone back to the 2015-2017 rule of the winner. Hold on. Shrooms and superglue is the only way I can get past roof in training, says Chris Jones. Well, I don't doubt that for a second. No. <laughs> um, the shrooms met the rule and generated a discussion around force, hence the change. Fair enough. Thank you, Martin, for the clarification. Always nice to get some um some some good knowledge in there because, yeah, you know more than we do. Um, so again, so the winner of the toss now chooses whether to have the ball in the first or second half. The loser now decides which end to defend in the first half, which stops the winner having a double choice. So if, for example, you won the toss and you deferred to have the ball in the second half, I hope I'm right in saying this, that you then got to choose in the first half which end you defend, which, again, yes, it is a double, double choice if you win. Um, I personally think that that is absolutely logical
1: that you you have uh, that split in two heather thoughts this for me is like i'm one that has to go in and do coin toss and it, i get whatever the question is that i get asked i just know to say i want to start the second half with the ball you have the ball in the second half and the, last <laughs> the question i'll be like i want to start the ball <laughs> in the second half and then i, I, I literally because every single time i've tried to answer it any differently i've walked off the field and i've been like what happened it's like we won the toss what's happening oh we're starting with the ball and it's like <laughs> i just like, so so yeah this whole thing here yeah, is great i'll still be saying the exact same words that i've ever like said before because yeah i don't know how i managed on a 50 50 option here to manage to confuse myself every time but that as soon as i read that today i was like not going to help me any (laughs) (laughs) I refuse to go in
2: (laughs) I'm like someone else can manage that
0: (laughs) I am I I I have to do (laughs) I have to say I I always found and I don't know if this is just me like my spatial awareness but I often found the concept of which end do you want to defend and some people would then ask which way do you want to go and I was always just like, whatever happens, I want to stand here. Like take from that what you will, I want to stand here. I don't know what that means in regards to your question. I want to be facing this way. So whatever, however that works out. Um, and I remember like with being captain for GB, there was part of me that used to see the photos of the girls all in a line with their arm around each other. And I just thought, you know what, maybe in the future as fantastic as an honor it is, as it is, it might be nice to get to enjoy just standing on the sideline and watching that stuff happen. Cause there's something about the coin toss moment that just like creates a massive cloud for me. And it's a little bit of panic. So yeah, so I would glad. opt out of
1: that. <laughs> I'm so glad it's not just me <laughs> I mean, it, is, it should literally be the easiest part of the whole like the whole thing Um and I just think I, I know and I totally understand like why we want to start the, the second half of what I kind of get the whole a whole thing But some it's just every single time you go a ref will ask you it in a different way and you're like hold on are you trying to catch me out here and i just sort of <laughs> say the exact same sentence over and over again it's the only way that i know that i'm going to be able to communicate it i can see that callum's come back and he says not to take the blame because ainsley and robin do go out for coin toss as well but normally that if ever if that ever happens i'm like you say it ainsley <laughs> that's it. i don't know why i complicate yeah. as a total overthink for it but i'm glad that you did <laughs> <thing> too. <laughs> that's too.
0: but i think i think the rule of having the winner only choosing one or the other because I think there are some points in sport where you you don't want the uh, – like a coin toss to basically decide the game. And I often found this with cricket where like if you um, win the coin toss and you get to choose whether to bat first or second, sometimes as much as you can't put it all down to being first or second, it is an absolute game changer at times, especially in a sport like that. And I do think if you have too much decision in the beginning of which direction you go and when you get the ball – and, and 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 it it does end up piling up a little bit so i do think it's you know they changed the rules in the interest of the integrity of the sport and to not allow one um like an offense or a, D or a team to have a, an advantage of the other one so i do quite like that they've uh, that they've changed that rule i'm kind of i'm in favor of that i think that's a good one um still be avoiding it. <laughs> Let's still be avoiding it. Let's just stay out of it. We've have We've got our opinions, but we don't need to be involved. write it down on <laughs> your hand and you go, uh, it's that one. <laughs> that one. Um, and a slightly, this is, I think, a slightly bigger change than perhaps is uh, intended, or not intended, but that it's marked out to be, um, is a change to the running clock. So in the last two minutes... Um, in a standard game, obviously not so much tournament like big bowl, whatever, but where the last two minutes is run as a stop clock, so the, the clock will stop for certain reasons. Um, they've introduced a rule where if the score differential is different at, at the two minute mark exactly, if the score differential is bigger than thirty points, so if it's thirty plus point lead by one of the teams, it's, so the game is considered to be clearly decided, the clock will basically not stop. It will stop for, I think they used administration reasons only, for example, an injury or something. Um, So I think the intention being, especially within tournaments, that games that are basically obviously decided will um, end faster and just keep the tournament running a little bit smoother. Um, But this is decided on the two-minute point. So if you go above or below 30 points within the two minutes, it doesn't change. The decision is made at the two-minute warning. Ruth, what do you reckon about having the running clock continue? I mean, we're a, a very
2: much a, a team that will just go right to the end. So even if there's a 30 points difference, we'd still be fighting. Um, so any advantage we'd want, you know, <laughs> 30 points at that point. Yeah, you're probably not, but still, I'd want it to still feel fair. I mean... Things like tournaments, maybe you just want to have a break at that point, and you just want to run the clock out. Um, yeah, I'm. I, I'm. I'm a fighter. I want to. I want to keep going as much as I can.
0: I think I actually have to agree with you a little bit on that one, Heather.
1: Response. Yeah. I've been on both sides of it so when um, Eastwood by Pirates started out we were on the wrong side of a 30 um, different score but that's where you learn from you know that's. That's like, typical of me to think that I'm on the losing side at that point. <laughs> <laughs> If I was 30 points down, what
0: would I want? <laughs> yeah, but if you're 30 points up, you don't care anyway. We're kind of focusing on from yeah, that side. So that's fine yeah. Yeah, 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 I think
1: like we, we, and that's where you've learned from it though as well. You're not, that's where you're kind of getting game time. And like, I think, you, you know, you just, you have the opportunity to keep trying different stuff. If you are on the other side of it and you're 30 points up, that's again, when you can maybe try some new stuff as well um and then also because you haven't got such a risk it's also when you can obviously is when you've got bigger squads is make sure that everyone's getting a shot and getting game time too there's lots of traveling involved and people will travel down um and you know once you've got um you know you can and you can obviously rotate people as well so again it's kind of giving the opportunity for both both teams to try new things get game times I don't want it to kind of, it's it's rubbish when you're the one that's losing by 30 points and it is disheartening. But at the same time, it's, you know, we've got an entire East Kilbride Pirates team that have come out of that and, and are now like successful. So, you know, you can't say that it knocks people so much that it, you know, it puts them off the game. So I don't know. It's a difficult one. I can see why it's happened, but it also sort of has taken a bit of flexibility out of, you know, trying new things. How often do you think
2: it's seen? What was that, sorry? How often do you think it's seen? I'm not really sure I've seen it that often where there's been like a 30 points difference. I would say
0: it happens usually more in like the first rounds of tournaments. So, you know, for example, at Big Bowl or King Bowl or whatever, perhaps more the group games where you've got some teams who are, which to, to Heather's point, they're there to train and to learn. And perhaps in this case, then, it would be a little unfair um the the flip side actually I was thinking about is it just a thing from the point of view of being down by 30 but actually I I was just discussing it with my husband just now with Benny and he said um that means that there's you know they often have a challenge of trying to get 100 points in a game um and there are situations where you get through to quarterfinals on whatever on point difference and if you've got a game where you are heavily winning then sometimes, you know, I know perhaps it's not the most fair thing on a team that are not doing so well, but you sometimes might need the points. And if you've got a game where you can score easy points, you know, and it's the difference between making it through on point difference and not, then you do actually lose out on a little bit of time to score a few extra points. How, how many points you can make? I don't know. But, you know, that that is one thing that it does reduce your time a little bit. Um, I mean, Martin has nicely commented, it is more common in international events where you may have a large disparity between nations. Yeah, exactly.
2: Fair enough.
0: I totally. Yeah, agree.
2: that makes sense. And I guess, you know, if you go in for like a weekend or tournament and you're on the first day and you kind of just want to, you know, get get some rest in, then it kind of makes more sense. But having come through the six nations, I agree points difference can make a huge difference. <laughs>
0: Exactly, exactly. But at the same time, a major tournament, perhaps a world championship or a European championship, you are there to play the game, not just the actual game, but in terms of um, the tactics and stuff and taking a break and having a rest if possible is obviously very beneficial. So, again, a a rule I can definitely understand, get on board with. Um, Let's – I won't go through all of these because we have actually used up a lot of time. Um, I would actually – I would jump to Martin Jacobson has written Austria versus Finland, women at Euros 70-0. So, mm. okay, there's there's a very big example of – we'd have to ask maybe Finland's opinion on that. Whether, I mean, they probably fought to the end, so we'll, we'll never know. But um, mm. one thing, US versus India 80-0. Mm. Thank you, Martin. So there we go. We're getting, we're getting a few. Feel free to write in lots of different ones so that we can actually see some of yeah, these before. Yeah, love you. it. Um, so what I, I would say let's discuss perhaps one more rule, which I quite uh, like perhaps in just, I don't know, let's see what we think, of the concept of challenges. Um, so once in a half and once in an overtime, the head coach or captain may challenge a ruling on the field if it's felt to be incorrect. Now, this is only referring to an unsuccessful Oh, no, sorry, only referring to an error in a rule application or some kind of penalty enforcement and not on a judgment call, which I think is fair enough because the, what the ref says goes and we don't have VAR, etc. But, you know, again, in tournaments perhaps where you don't have a professional refereeing crew um, where they maybe make the wrong uh, rule or the wrong five-yard, ten-yard loss of down or not, um, to be able to have a challenge from the head coach or the captain. Heather, thoughts?
1: Yeah, I, I, th- I think I think probably I can think of instances where um, we've had challenges for yeah the rules not like the the, um, the penalty being not the correct penalty for the decision that's on the field and things like that. Um, I can understand limiting it for a time reason because obviously you don't want to kind of that's that does eat into time and like you know you see it all the time where it becomes a tactic to um you know to to try and challenge things so I think I can I can kind of appreciate that um but at the same time you're then kind of like well hold on what if you make like you know what if you're making three mistakes which you'd hope wouldn't happen of well, so if, if, if you're correct you could get to keep your challenge I
0: was going to say in fairness if you're correct your challenge stands and you keep it I, you keep the challenge yeah and if you're like unsuccessful or incorrect then you'll find by a timeout or if you don't have a timeout you get a five yard penalty which is pretty pretty harsh but there we go so
1: yeah then i think that's that, fine. That and that's, I that's that that then obviously for allowing for people not to just take advantage of the clock um you know at that time so
0: what did you say the penalty was sorry for If unsuccessful, you lose a timeout. And if you don't have any timeouts left because you've already used them, then you get a five-yard penalty, I presume, on your next play. Um, Mm -hmm. Martin has just commented for us, this allows for a stop in the game when the coach believes the rule is wrongly applied, whereas previously this was not allowable. I kind of like that it perhaps creates a little bit of a a legal or formal structure around the concept of a challenge um, and not just constant whinging or complaining or You know, refs, for example, ignoring you if you are correct, that the game at one point is legally allowed to you're within your right to stop the game once. I think it actually at least puts that into some kind of structure. I quite like that. So long as it's Um, the coach or the captain, right? Not just everybody. Yeah, but I do believe that's always been the case, or at least on a good sportsmanship level, whether or not it's in the rules, that it's usually the coach or the captain that should Mm should say something, Martin Jacobson, Will it apply for the number of downs? I remember Panama having five downs versus Denmark. Oh, I
1: that love a, I love a five down. I love a five down drive. That's always they're always great. <laughs> they can, yeah, on the other side, of a few of those before as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, the funnier one is when none of you realise, and you watch back game footage and are like, "Hold on a second. Um Callum Bell will be interesting to see how tournaments like Big Bowl and Flag in New Year implement it, if at all. With a running clock, I'll ask Benjamin, flagging New Mm -hmm. Year. We'll see. Could be interesting. Okay, let's leave it there for rule changes. Um, We're going to have a nice, fun discussion now on um, a topic that we've been discussing for a while behind the scenes. And I'm quite excited to air this one out in public. Um, our favorite service stations. So we're constantly talking about how uh, much we drive up and down and back and forth and here, there and everywhere for our game days. Um, and it led to some very, very interesting chat on our group about uh, the best service stations. Unfortunately, Helen's not here. I feel like she did have quite a big opinion she, on this. Yeah, very opinionated, I think. We we may have to just grab her um, opinion on it next time round. Um, Ruth, do you have a favourite service station? Gloucester. Why? Hands down. <laughs> Sell it to us. Why should we be going to Gloucester service station?
2: because it has so many like it's like a farm shop and it's got you know like it's not your usual like um try not to use branded names but you know it's not usual like fast food and you know news agents and stuff like that it's like farm like farm food and you can just do a whole like shop there as well while you're there um which is really nice and then they've got like all the you know loads of meat if you like meat but they've got all these pastries so if you go in the morning you can pick up an amazing croissant and then if you go like in the afternoon then they've got like hot sausage rolls which are primarily you know little pastry and a lot of the sausage which is the way to go Um, go. which is the way to go sorry vegans Um, uh, (laughs) and it's amazing really good food And a mince pie the size of your face at Christmas, which is even better.
0: I feel like yours completely (laughs) goes against my, well, if you talk to Phil Gaydon, who was always in my car, uh, our logic combined was always just stop where there's KFC. So I feel like you have gone the other end of the spectrum, which as an older, more mature person than I was in my uni days, I feel like I might go with you. I would be tempted to stop up at Gloucester for sure. See, I've never had a KFC. You haven't lived. It's awful, but, you know, (laughs) after a long game day.
2: Oh, the thing is, though, I'm always, like, I've been been exercising loads. I'm going to capitalise on this rather than, like, fulfil the calorie deficit, which I know I should be doing. But I'm, like, I've been running around a lot. I'm just going to, like, try and keep this good, like, good method going and try and eat right.
0: This is a very end of the spectrum conversation because I feel like I know – Sorry Wolverines a lot of people who are very much the other end of I've earned this big fat bucket of KFC chicken so I think obviously your way is the way to go but boy do you have some restraint i have to say yeah,
1: <laughs> no the, i don't <laughs> that's what i say to myself every game day i'm like i've made like you know i'm gonna like this is gonna be a positive but i think like i am i'm like the opposite of ruth so first of the most important thing for, for for us when we kind of do our game days is we're normally about four and a half hours up the road or yeah. four and a half hours down the road so whenever we stop on the way there there's a, there's a service station that's like an hour and a half down the road. And if someone needs to stop to go to the toilet, it's like the worst decision that can ever happen ever because you've then got the whole rest of the journey and you're going to have to stop again. Then it just drags out even further. So it's one of those things you get in the cart and you try and go as far as you can before you need to stop. Um, so there is a couple that are around about the sort of same, um, like area, which is Lancaster services. Um, or if you go a little bit further um, south, it is uh, China Richard. Um, so we've had disasters that have happened on the way back to Lancaster where like Burger King just had nothing. All they had was fruit shoots, for drinks for a start um, on the way back. And um, they'd run out of like all the chicken options and things like that. So that's always been uh, like a hit or miss on the way back. You could stay on a little bit longer to Gretna, but then you're only an hour and a half away from home. So then it's too late. I'm a Charnett Richard fan, and for the opposite reasons of Ruth, and the fact that I like the brand because I know what I'm going to get. So I'm if I go you. there, I can walk in and I can go to the supermarket that's in there, which is one of the two posh supermarkets you get at service stations, um, and make sure <laughs> that I've got decent food as well for my like like sort of for the rest of the day. Because if I end up going to a cheap, horrible shop is going to have a pasta with too much mayonnaise on it or something horrendous that's going to make me feel just disgusting on the sidelines so at least I know with that particular one exactly I can walk through the door and I'm a creature of habit so I'll be like I'm having that on the way in which is normally a porridge and a coffee and then I'm going to have that that and that for my snacks and my meal and then I have to say I'm a KFC on the way back as well so
2: I feel like I've pegged KFC. myself as this healthy eater I'm really not <laughs> I just use like game days and tournament days as an excuse, as like to capitalize on it. I'm like, I'll just gonna eat okay, just to help.
0: <laughs> so you do still have the cheeky McDonald's here and there.
2: Nope, I prefer a pro- <laughs> I prefer a proper burger. Like I'm not gonna go okay. All right,
0: McDonald's awfulness. Oh, by I the want. way, if anyone comes to Big Bowl next year, there's a new burger takeaway place here, which is unreal. So we, if you want a good burger. We'll hit you up with that. Um, I was thinking it was quite funny that all of a sudden uh, that Martin Cocker and Callum Bell had gone quite quiet on the old chat. But Martin has popped in and said that uh, anywhere I can get noodles and churros. I've never seen churros at a service station, but that is ideal. Martin, I'm with you on that. Uh, Callum, right on point, has just said, you sure your favorite isn't the South West services Greg's?" Heather?
1: Is there a South story White. there? Southway is just not a good, sir. I just not in one of my favorite um, like service stations, but Greg's, there was a, I can't remember which one it is, but there was one on the way down. And obviously coming down from Glasgow, we're all in different cars and we all just turn up and we're all, everyone, you you, you see the other cars at the service station, just totally unlike planned. Um, and this poor girl, every single, cause obviously when we were doing Opal, which like obviously now women's flag um, league is, um, you know, it's every other week. So we used to get the same staff in a Greg's the entire of that like Opal period, every single Saturday, roughly the same time. I'd be in there, creature of habit, ordering the same things. And I literally wonder what they think when, you know, that's all over. Like, what happened for the last eight weeks? What, what were all those people dressed in black and red that turned up at like eight o'clock every Saturday at our Greg's? <laughs> so, yeah, we're like, we're, we're, as soon as we arrive, we're away again and they never see us.
0: Um, I do, well, you're obviously a memorable crowd of people. Um I'm starting to think that we should just get Callum on the show because his interest in um <laughs> on, his, his interest in services is I didn't think it could get worse than us but actually he has some strong opinions no one's mentioned weatherby uh, Scotch Corner is a solid average level stop can do worse can do better so we're actually we're in we're into tears now how good these services now, yeah. are I like that um Martin's piped back up with Cambridge services as both so it's normally uh, the start of trip or near the end when going home. This is another important thing, like Heather mentioned, you've got to plan where to stop. You don't want to be too close to home, but you need to get I, a little bit under your belt first.
2: I go out of my way for Gloucester, I will say.
0: So I love I, that commitment. I've
2: got, I got, <laughs> got two routes, generally, to go north. So I can go up the M50, or I go along the M4 and go up the M5, but if I go up the M50, I actually miss Gloucester, so I'm like, do you know what? I'm just going to go in for then M5 route so I can go to just Gloucester. Just start praying for traffic so you've got an excuse. Because my husband puts in an order. He's like, are you, going, are you going to Gloucester? Can you give me a sausage roll? Can you get me some meringues? And can you get me, like, some croissants and stuff? So it's not just for me.
0: I think my next UK trip, I may plan a, an extra trip to Gloucester just to there's a
2: few check out these services. Yeah, there's a few different, like, farm shop services, like, cropping up now i think it is a genius Andrew.
0: idea oh yeah so good i have to say the level of service stations in the uk is way better than what we have here in germany maybe i'm biased because you oh, can't no. be a good wh smith every now and then but um mm. a, a slight spoiler alert for anyone who used to go to gretna uh they have unfortunately got rid of their guitar hero arcade game of which uh, about which callum is devastated Okay, Callum, just keep sending your um, your suggestions. <laughs> and Cal- we will I was going to say we're it.
2: different. We're different ends of the country, really. Well,
0: yeah, we are. We are talking different ends. My, I think I'm sure we used to stop at Watford Gap, which, since Googling, obviously because you know preparation, research, and all that, is apparently the oldest service station on the M1. Was opened with the mm-hmm. M1. Maybe it's the oldest one in the country. I feel like that's what it said.
1: So Callum has said T-Bay, and T-Bay is our equivalent of a a Gloucester by the sounds of it, because that's the farm shop one. I was going to say, I've
0: never heard of T-Bay.
1: But I won't stop there, because we stopped there on the way back. So when we kind of get into T-Bay, you can be after nine o'clock at night trying to get home, and it's kind of, a you're putting all your eggs in one basket. And I turned up to T-Bay one time after playing flag, and there just was nothing left. There's literally no hot food Um, left. And that was devastating. That's like, because you uh, need, need a hot dinner after playing football all day. And, oh, that was so – I've never forgiven T-Bay for that. So, that's definitely got that's got ticked off my list. But, yeah, good farm shop, does all the good stuff there as well.
0: I'm pretty sure it's only ever happened once the KFC's run out of chicken. So, you're usually pretty, you know, pretty good to go on that front. Okay. Um, I think between South bay, was bay, was bay and like as a story sorry roof, bay is – I didn't realize I didn't realize that there were people out there that felt as strongly about this as we do. So I'm I'm glad it's it's not just us. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, um, with all the excitement of that, I've forgotten our third topic. Oh, okay. So th- do we need a summer tournament? So yes, for anyone who has played Open in the past or the Women's Flag League as it goes forward, you do have the very exciting, brilliant thing to look forward to of playing in the lovely cold winter weather in the uk um i definitely attribute my broken leg at finals day a couple of years ago to the cold weather because you know topwood i don't usually injure myself that badly um i'm i'm going to put that down to being cold so do we need a summer series would the league be nice in the summer or you know having played for example in Israel or a big bowl or where else can it be that it's hot? Miami, I don't know, wherever you go, um, is playing in the hot weather. Not that England probably ever gets, you know, ridiculously hot all of the time, but um, would it be nicer to play in some sunshine or is it too much hard work?
1: Go on, Ruth, because I've got a bit of an answer, (laughs) which might be a way to tie it all up.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess the big thing is, you know, your university teams are going to miss out. Um, if you do something over the summer, Um, but I literally lap up the sun, so I will just sit in the sun all day quite happily. Um, Playing in the sun is a bit different, I mean the ground is harder underfoot, makes it, uh, I mean does it have to be summer, can we think about like spring or autumn, you know, that would be my preference because it's like the middle ground between it being freezing cold or it raining too much and we have to call it off because you know there's unsuitable grounds or it's it's not safe anymore or we get injured because it's too cold um i mean a summer summer tournament i'm all for it i think it's great you know because the other thing is you can actually you kind of interact more with other players as well I find you can kind of um, sort of be outside and you know chat with different people whereas in the winter you're all kind of going to different places you're like oh that looks hot I'm gonna you know there's a changing room over there or there's a car over there or there's a coffee shop over there so you don't get that part of football which I love which is you know just the interaction with with different teams I mean I think we all know people in different teams and we're all really close friends with people on different teams. And I think we lose that when we when we play over the winter.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's probably one of the things for tournaments like Big Bowl, for example, is that the, the atmosphere is just completely different in the sun because, like you say, everyone sits around and everybody is more likely to go and sit and watch other games Whereas if you're all huddled under blankets in the corner and you can't really move from your game, then you're not going to go and interact and watch other games. So it definitely changes the atmosphere for sure. Um, Just from my opinion, which brings in Martin's comment here, he said, brings different challenges around heat exhaustion and hydration that need to be managed correctly. That's something, so I'm not great with heat. I I just don't seem to be so good. Like I I can't sunbathe. Like as soon as it gets too warm, I'm out. Um, So for me playing champions bowl in Barcelona, even when it's, um in october it's sometimes can still be a bit warm for me so um i think that that definitely creates a a big challenge for me personally uh, so it's, it's a bit of a flip side between especially often if you're playing both ways of the ball as well it can be quite tricky um and also yeah having the water there if you're in a country perhaps like spain where you probably should maybe avoid the tap water a little bit more um heather Let's hear this answer that we have been promised.
1: Yeah, I, well, I was going to agree with you on the 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 big bowl. I, was, I played um, Champions Bowl um, for the mixed over when it was in Austria and the heat as well on those days was, um, yeah, I thought big bowl was a lot until we went to Austria. That was something else as well. But yeah, I think it is sort of just obviously being able to, to manage it. Um, I know people that have got like really badly, like sunburn and sunstroke and just not like, um, not come out of it the right way, so it definitely needs to be something that you, as a team as well, like looking up because you know what it's like as well when you get the sun, like you you think you're fine and someone's like you're looking a bit red, like you need to make sure you're looking after your teammates as well because they have a, okay. a like a good indication of it, I think, um, and more of an indication sometimes than you do. Um, so yeah, so. Um, Obviously, we didn't get to do it this year. Um, It was the plan that we were gonna have a spring series, which was gonna be BAFA organised. So the plan we had, obviously, we were so optimistic it was gonna happen back in October, as we were with lots of things that were gonna happen by now. Um, In fact, it would have been, yeah, it actually really would have been around about, yeah, probably two weeks ago, um, it was all kind of happening. Um, And the idea was that we were gonna have two um, locations, that was going to be more of a north and a south um, kind of game days. And then like two weeks later or at least a sort of a, a week later or later on in the month, we were then going to have a sort of finals day. Um, so there's that sort of option we were looking at um, as as well as sort of other different ideas. So that's what we were going to go for this year. obviously it didn't happen. Um, but it is something that we're wanting to do um, going forward. So there will be a spring series in 2020 two. And it, whether they haven't exactly worked out because one of the reasons we were doing it that way in the first um, time round was this whole idea of traveling and keeping number of people at each particular game day location per day. So when we don't have restrictions like that, then we might look at a different format, but it is something we want to do. It's going to be open as well to new teams who will be kind of going through association at that point, um, which I think is a great opportunity for Teams that are maybe not at the right sort of level uh, of numbers and just readiness to be able to play in the league is that they can get ready then quite quickly, sort of you know, sort of halfway through again of the year. Um, so to be able to play that, and then they're kind of ready and got the experience, then go into the league at the end of the year as well. So it's kind of giving more opportunities for um, female teams to kind of get involved with that. Um, and I think that just the whole just it's, it's just creating more opportunities for um, female flag in the UK and us to be able to do it. because the one thing with the the league is it's such a small time period of the year. And I know that in past we've kind of been having to co- um, work around contact and just mix and all these other things. And that's where we've kind of got a home at the moment. Um, Long term, who knows what's going to happen? Because I know dates are changing um, for other parts of BAFA so we'll see what might become available but I just think that we have this we're all we're all in a team for an entire year and it's all for like 10 weeks of football at the end Mm -hmm. of it just trying to get more opportunity so yes spring series 2022 um let's get the organized on the league first of all but it's going to happen so definitely have it ready in the diary I
0: I love the idea and I I agree in terms of the development of the women's sport because one it does suck to play all year and basically, yeah, have that, what, 10 weeks of of league. Um, So I don't think it's ever going to be a shame to have more game time. Um, And talking about the university teams as well, it often used to screw us because you start in September. In fact, Warwick, we started in October. So you had October, November, and you're playing league already. Like we had players, you know, who came to one session and then they were in the league. So it would also be nice to have something else. And I used to find that when we did the summer series before, it was kind of a bit of a non-pressure chance to sort of mix around and also just have a bit of fun with it. We used to play, the Wolverines used to mix with the, um was it the Pink Panthers, they were called at the time, who were like quite a young team. And a lot of them then went on to play for like Coventry Cougars or with the Wolverines or whatever. And we ended up, I think we even played Pink Bowl together as well. Like it just became quite a fun thing that we did. No pressure, who could turn up on the day, get some game time. And um whereas obviously with the league, you kind of maybe want to go out with your stronger team and do as best as you can. So it was always quite a nice, like light-hearted alternative, whilst also having some game time and some experience. So I really love the idea of having something else um, on top of the of the league as well. So I'm very happy to hear that.
1: I think it's just going to add more development to everybody because if I think of, of how we train at the Pirates, it obviously all this like it just ramps up from kind of end of summer to, to the October, November um sort of time for the for the league. And then we have, we now have obviously Flag and New Year in January that we take part in. That's our sort of like our home tournament because it's sort of right on our doorstep. Um, and then we have, you know, we try and aim for like a European tournament. Um, and obviously in all of these instances we we you know again get training um you know, it, 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 you know sh- as much as possible before that. But there's like massive gaps. And you can see how much we develop from the end of summer until like first game day. And then even then every single game day till finals. So imagine if we were doing that, it's not as obviously intense 24, 7, 12 months a year. But if you had more like more things to sort of train for, it's only going to create like a better standard of play because we're training more chemistry better. Yeah. So I think it's going to be great for the game as a whole.
0: Yeah, I think you're right as well in terms of you can rely on international tournaments. You can go to Flag in New Year to Big Bowl to King Bowl, Pink Bowl, Champions Bowl if you qualify. Like you can you I, I mean for sure our calendar is usually every other weekend football. But at the same time you've also got a lot of people who can't travel, don't want to travel, whatever the reasons are, kids, money, I don't know, anything. Um, it's also nice to be able to create a home alternative as well because it shouldn't be expected that you have to go and play abroad if you want to fill the rest of the calendar year so I think that's also a massive benefit.
1: I think it's got room to develop as well so like if we're sort of talking at the moment that you have maybe a one game day and then two weeks later another game day like you know there's nothing to stop it in like a couple of years time having a, you know a couple more kind of like almost like a little mini league again where you could have um, like different pockets of you know two like all around the UK, so you could have like even north, like middle and south, and and then again you still meet on a sort of finals day. You know, so it has room to develop as well. Um, I think that as it, the fact that it hasn't actually got um, a sort of definite sort of structure. Um, it is literally there to kind of kind of create more football in the calendar as we can change it. So as we get more teams or, you know, we, the popularity of that increases, then it's obviously got room to grow and to, you know, become beneficial um, by, you know, as, as we sort of see fit.
0: Absolutely. Sounds, awesome. Sounds fantastic. I'm very happy about that. Coming back to
2: like playing in summer, do you think we're better at handling cold than we are at handling heat? Like, if you talk to people, like, oh, I've got a game, it's going to be really cold, they're like, oh, have you heard, you know, you can have, like, latex gloves under your gloves, and they've got a million different, uh, like, tips for you for how you can deal with the cold, but very rarely do you have tips for playing in the heat. Do you think we're better at playing the cold?
0: I definitely... I mean, again, like I said, I'm not great with the heat. I definitely do. I think you can do more for the cold. Like you say, you can layer up and mm. get warm. And once you're playing, like even when you're playing in the rain and it's wet, like once you're playing, you're in the game, you've got the adrenaline. Whereas when it's hot, you know, like if, you, if you've if you got a dry mouth and you're panting and there's not – I don't feel like there's much you can do to like counteract that. Added to which, I don't know if it's like the British stereotype, but when you see the teams, usually – Unfortunately, from the UK at Big Bowl and King Bowl, Pink Bowl, wherever you um, we're often slightly more pink and not quite so good at wearing sun hats and staying in the shade because it's your chance of getting a tan and maybe just generally we go too hard when it's sunny anyway. So I don't know. Maybe that's a that's a bad stereotype, but um i definitely know i got
1: burnt quite a few times at these tournaments before i sort of learned my lesson Mm. (laughs) out of it i think the people Um, that complain the most at um the cold games are the coaches because they're the ones that aren't running around they're the ones that moan and moan i'm so cold (laughs) it's like i'm fine (laughs) like running around (laughs) but um yeah i think i yeah i think martin's obviously put it there as well as people prepare more for the cold my kit bag going to the like, October, November dates uh, is something special. It's, <laughs> it's like I've got doubles up of every single layer possible because there's no way that I'm gonna get get cold. Um, I do think that in that kind of way that when it goes too far though, when you get hot and obviously sunstroke or anything like that, when you get too cold, you can't bring it back. Like once you kind yeah. of get to that point, there's just, it takes, you know, I feel that sometimes it takes a good couple of hours before you're like, oh, I feel finally I'm not, you know, I've, I've thawed inside. You know, toes again. Well. Yeah, that is the mm. craziest one like still in the car
0: freezing and you like get home and you just put your pajamas on and you're still freezing but then I feel like you there's a it must be the British thing in me like you feel like you earned it then you're home and you're rested and you've done like a good day's football when it's when you're finally starting to feel your toes again
2: <laughs> yeah yeah I think if we were to do something in the summer we'd have to kind of I don't know tips on how to prepare like you're not just hydrating on the day you're hydrating like two days before and yeah things like that i've definitely been yeah playing football with people who
0: were not prepared for heat yeah i think that's the thing as well when you go out to a european championship um that was so for me in which was the first on madrid and that was really hot and you do obviously start to take it more seriously than perhaps you would just like a fun league or anything. And that was one of the things that our Naomi, our like uh, fitness physio, mm-hmm. whatever at the time was saying that like, you need to start drinking a lot of water and you need to start doing it early. You need to get your body used to it. So you don't have to be going to the toilet every 10 minutes, which was absolutely me because I literally don't drink any water. Like I'm so awful. I have to have my bottle here. So I physically see it. Um, yeah, getting, that like a long time in advance as opposed to just on the day being like, right, I've got to drink a lot of water today. Um, it is actually, yeah, it is interesting that there, there are some things you should do to prepare for the cold, uh, for the hot just as much as the cold. Um, when officiating games, I wear base layers that keep my core warm, not so worried about my extremities. Well, Martin's happened to, happy to lose a limb here or there. Uh, Pinto was hot. I agree with you, Martin, that was horrific. Um, but it's interesting what Martin has written here about, um, I'm obviously talking about playing in, yeah, Pinto in, in Spain or in Italy or whatever. But it, when you're talking here, so Panama and Miami, 30-plus degrees with 80-plus humidity. Ask Dean how Miami affected him. I'm sure there's a story there. Um, Must be an absolute different ballgame as well. I can't even imagine. Mm. You can so always come know. and
1: play up in Scotland during the summer in the UK. We could just have our summer series there. <laughs> I'm get, i get, I'm it. now from everyone up here. <laughs> we we have our moments. We have nice days up here, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's. I think I, I, I'm a, a, from the accent. Obviously, everyone knows I'm from down south. So, um, yeah, even at any time as well when even we're travelling down, in like in the October, November, December. Believe me, if you think it's cold when we're playing there, <laughs> imagine what we've just come. We had one actually where I slept the whole way, um, literally like the whole way down to Scotch Corner um and i woke up and there was stories of like snow drifts over the road i think that we had one car that got stuck in the snow and was late to get in there on time because i know so like yeah there's yeah the travel tra- tra- as much as the issue i guess it, when it comes to these winter dates um but then in saying that obviously we all had snow in the last two days so you never really know what you're going to get in this country Well,
0: that is true. We did have a summer series once that was boiling hot and then it was completely rained off with horrific thunderstorms. So you also can't have it both ways. So you live and you learn. (laughs) So, yeah, that's our three topics for today. I hope that they've been interesting for anyone who's listening. Thank you very much to the lovely people who've been messaging in and providing us with some uh, service station banter on our third podcast today and <laughs> um, Heather and Ruth thank you so much for joining and I'll see you guys in a month hopefully with Helen back or maybe with some other guest faces as well and um, yeah thank you very much for for joining bye okay. everyone bye, bye. <laughs> that wraps up this episode find us on Facebook at first and 15 podcast give us a like to keep up with all of our shows also check out our sponsor, Nuola, for all your customized sportswear supplies.